Choose life. Choose a job. Choose a career. Choose a family. Choose a big television. You're a quiet, sensitive type. A little bit crazy, a little bit bad. Choose washing machines, cars, compact displays, and dental insurance. You lied on your application. Only to get my foot in the door. What exactly attracts you to the leisure industry? And a work. Pleasure. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Luck It All podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. Today we are discussing Train Spotting, the 1996 British black comedy drama film directed by Danny Boyle. This is Danny Boyle's second directorial debut following the movie uh, Shallow Grave. This movie was released in late February of 1996, based on the novel of the same name by Irving Welsh. Screenplay by John Hodge, starring Ewan McGregor, Ewan Brimmer, Johnny Lee Miller, Kevin McKidd, Robert Carlyle, and Kelly MacDonald. The cinematography is by Brian Tufano, and edited by Mashiro Haribo. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that last name. Um, going at about 93 minutes at a budget of roughly 1.3 million euros, which I think is probably closer to 2 to 3 million in U.S. at this time, or, or during that. Um, yeah, Train Spotting was a movie I was completely... Under the radar, I was, in 1996, I guess I was only about two or three at that time, and so um, I was uh, I was a baby, I was not in, entranced in the, uh, the 90s culture like a lot of people were if you were a little bit older at that time, or, you know, above, maybe pre-teen to teenager age, this movie is really going to hit that sector. It's kind of that same vibe as like Fight Club in a way. You know, the the gang of guys, the group of guys all coming together to kind of do some sort of, uh, you know, mishaps in a way. Um, let me uh, pull up the, the uh, synopsis. Here's a synopsis for Train Spotting. Renton, deeply immersed in Edinburgh's drug scene, tries to clean up and get out despite the allure of drugs and his influence of friends. This movie had a lot of praise coming behind it. I wasn't really sure exactly why. I know a little bit about Danny Boyle and his style. The cinematography is very unique. Um, storytelling as well. Some of his some of uh, my favorite work with Danny Boyle, with re- with regards to Danny Boyle, is uh, movies like Twenty Eight Weeks Later, um, Slum, <clears throat> excuse me, Slumdog Millionaire, uh, movies that are uniquely different that aren't really based on other properties, maybe based on books, but there are completely new stories in, in the way that. He shows them in, in the way that they're told. So, uh, train spotting as a whole definitely was created on a much smaller budget than some of Danny Boyle's newer um, movies. I decided to go back 
<clears throat> and rewatch Train Spotting and Train Spotting 2. However, this review will just be covering um, Train Spotting. However, before we go into any spoilers, um, I would recommend watching the first and second Train Spotting if, from a cinematography filmmaking standpoint, you're interested at all. If you like Ian McGregor, uh, even Brimmer, Johnny Lee Miller, if you like Danny Boyle, I think that if you like any of these actors or uh, people behind the scenes, you are going to be pleased with this movie. Train Spotting uh, 1996 is much more of, I'd say, a bleaker film um, than the uh, follow up T2. However, T2, that's what Train Spotting 2 is being called T2 Train Spotting. I'm not really sure why they decided to do that, but. Um, uh, train spotting is the uh, train spotting in '96 is showing you the story in the in the lives of these characters. T two is the follow up and repercussions of what happens within Train Spotting one. So, with saying that, um, I you know I had heard through the the grapevine that. These were really cinematic movies, and they kind of touched on a, a culture that's not always shown, uh, you know, places like Edinburgh, and uh, uh, the type of cinematography and uh, filmmaking that is shown with Danny Boyle having, this is Danny Boyle's second directorial debut on the big screen, is extremely impressive um, and ambitious, honestly. So... The the pros of this movie obviously come from the cinematography. I've been talking about that probably the entire time. The colors, the editing, the the direction, the uh, the acting and the chemistry between the characters feels very lively and real and organic. The cons between for this movie for me personally, and I know that there's a lot of love for this movie, so I I want to you know tread lightly with all the train spotting fans, but. Uh, the cons for me personally, I didn't have subtitles on, and so it was extremely difficult at times for me to understand what they were saying because they have this really thick Edinburgh accent um, that really shines through throughout most of the movie. So if you're thinking about watching this movie, I would absolutely get uh, subtitles or captions handy. Another part about this movie that I found really interesting was the fact that um, these people feel so real to the point where they're three-dimensional uh, people, but it also makes it feel hard to um, to feel, I guess, sympathy for these people because a lot of the times it feels like they're sort of putting themselves, I guess, in these situations they're you know they're the ones doing the drugs they're the ones making the bad decisions so at the end of the day anything that comes back on them you see that you know it's kind of their own undoing and so um let me see i had uh um information regarding train spotting the title the title comes from a particular scene in the book where the main character mark renton played by Ian McGregor, um, meets an old drunk in a disused train station, this is all from Wikipedia, who turns out to be his friend's estranged father. The old man asks Renton and Bigby, 
who's the man's son if they are train spotting? So train spotting to me, what it seems like is the act or use of using drugs as escapism and, you know, train, you know, spotting the trains is, is relatively what happens after you get in the state of mind. That's about all you're going to be doing. So on top of all that, I think the sets, I think the, the acting, I think the, the, the practical effects of this movie are very minimal for such a small budget, but it works so real to the to the griminess of Edinburgh. So let's jump into the spoiler section real quick of Train Spotting. I thought almost immediately as this movie started, they they showed a couple of the characters getting um you know getting high on heroin. Um, Sorry, I don't know the exact terminology for all this because I'm not entranced in the drug culture like they are. So if my lingo is a little bit off, you know, uh, sorry about that. Um, But they're getting high in this uh, old train station of some sort. And you can just tell that the actors, uh, well, I mean, they, they look like they're actually high. Like they they're having these like reactions like they can't like they don't have control of their muscle movements they're almost like kissing each other when they're you know they're feeling each other's muscles and stuff like that it's just it's just weird and at, at, at first and it's a little bit jarring i was like what the fuck am i watching and should i be watching this on a plane <laughs> um, uh so i was i was on my way to la watching all this i was like oh, i don't know about all this um i love the shades of colors um when he's throwing up this movie is really disgusting. There's a lot of poop and vomit and a lot of just things coming out of people's bodies and people going into other things, toilets and shit like that. I was just like, this is a gross-ass movie, and they really want to show the griminess of it, despite, you know, um, it being a cinema. It's it's a gross movie technically, but it's cinematically uh, very visually stunning to look at. Um uh, let me see. So yeah, uh, they're trying to be, I guess, socially respectable drug addicts, and they're literally swimming in shit. And I was taken completely back when he jumps in this fucking toilet and starts literally swimming in the shit. I was like, this is insane. First of all, the visuals are very cool to watch him to to go into the toilet and you know started swimming literally swimming in the shit i was just like this is crazy but from a visual standpoint i really appreciated it because um it kind of gave you this juxtaposition of how nasty it was versus how beautiful the scene was um i was trying to figure out was he did he really fall i i my guess is he didn't really fall on the toilet but later we see him and he is completely soaked so maybe we're following an unreliable narrator at this point um, I realize that this movie is very stuck in the 90s uh, just from the the standpoint of maybe the diversity wasn't at its highest in the filmmaking back then and maybe it could be because of where it's located in Edinburgh. I'm not really sure what it's like over there. Um, 
but it definitely feels like this movie is rooted in the 90s. It's definitely way before all of the internet stuff starts to take hype. It's before people started to have things to complain. People started complaining about more than just like consumerism or capitalism type stuff. Um, like all they, all the main characters were really worrying about was, you know, dicking around in the park, shooting beat pellet gun or BB guns at dogs to make them attack their owners and shit like that. It was, you know, just dumb shit. Um, and we also see other characters such as, uh, what was his name? Brimmer. Um, Ewan Brimmer is Spud. Each one of these characters have some sort of, um, some sort of, I want to say, problem or hump or speed bump in their in their own personal lives that they are all trying to get over. You know, it's all very much a, uh, it's not quite a coming of age story. It's it's kind of a coming of age meets a character study of these guys. Um, and they are literally in complete shit. One of them, Spud, uh, gets absolutely um, way too high or ripped uh, before his interview. Um, and that's a pretty hilarious scene, but it's also sad because you know this guy's not going to get it. Um, like I Like when he's talking about that he's just rambling on the entire time for his interview. It's like, holy shit, shut up. <laughs> you know, it's clear he's not going to get this shit. Um, and other things that really root this in the 90s, uh, uh, McGregor has that small shirt in the club. But by the way, I, from what I heard, this is one of the first movies that everyone was talking about Ian McGregor in, which is uh, quite impressive. I didn't realize he just started right off the bone. Amazing. I know that he's... Uh, pretty diverse in the um in what he chooses to star in um but i mean let me see what he was in before this uh tv 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 he was in being human shallow grave okay so he was in shallow grave with uh danny boyle on his first movie and then he joined him again for train spotting so this was only like a second or third major movie um let me see Train spotting, Blue Juice. I'm not sure if Blue Juice was uh, on the big screen or not. So, um, yeah, I'm very surprised about Ian McGregor with uh, how good he was. I mean, this was probably his biggest role, Train Spotting, until he was back in. Um, let me see anything. Yeah, he was in Phantom Menace three years later, um, and then right after that, he followed up. In Moulin Rouge and then Attack of the Clones and, and Black Hawk Down the following years after those. Um, so yeah, he started to only become a bigger and bigger movie star as he was going. And obviously going into the, the Star Wars franchise made him much more uh, well-known. And uh, he started doing some sci-fi with like uh, movies like The Island. And, um, and so he started to... He's got a very diverse uh, filmography. And I, I really like Ewan McGregor. Um loved him in Dr. Sleep most recently. Let me see what else we got. Um, so, let me see. Spud is fucking up 
basically a lot of the women in this movie are kind of not quite pushed to the side i wouldn't say that they're just like front runners in what's going on in the lives of these guys they do happen to most of the all of the guys really do have uh, a girlfriend or someone they are calling theirs and uh you can see what's happening with spud spud literally shits the bed and then continues to throw it on his uh uh girlfriend's parents uh during breakfast i was like god dang <laughs> this is ridiculous i i didn't even know what to think about this because i it, it just seems so ridiculous on the face of it no one seemed like they were acting like they would normally act like he's like you know let me take care of my shit and She's like, these are my sheets. And he's like, but it's my shit. And it's like, but these are my sheets. And it's like, it goes, the shit goes everywhere. So, of course, the deterioration of uh, the majority of their girlfriends and their relationships begins to happen throughout the movie. Um, and uh, we also find out Ian McGregor slept with an underage student. I think she was like 15 at the time. And she's supposed to be played by... Uh, let me see. Uh, Kelly McDonald and uh, plays Diane. I know Kelly McDonald personally, uh, not personally, but I know her best well from uh, No Country for Old Men and also being the uh, the love interest in Boardwalk Empire um, for Steve Buscemi. And so um, I've really liked Kelly McDonald uh, or MacDonald or however you pronounce it, but. I thought she was really good in this. She doesn't seem to have aged a day. I couldn't tell she was 15, which is kind of scary, honestly. She she, uh, she looks the same age as she does in that movie as she does in many movies after, even 10, 15 years later. So she's, she's looking great. Um, let's see. I was like, the entire time this is going on, all these guys are just coming back to this unused train station, coming back, getting high on heroin and just uh you know completely being irresponsible there's a baby rolling around the entire first half first 20 30 minutes of the movie and i'm like whose baby is this and i think renton is also saying the same thing he didn't know whose it was either until they one day they come back and i think it was sick boy's girlfriend i think her name was allison um she is absolutely losing her shit and she is you know upset we don't know what's going on we turn around and of course go into the baby's crib very slowly with the camera pulling and the baby suffocated um or, or died in some sort of manner because you know just negligence and that was not a scene i was ready to see uh you know just after all these, you know, lights and colors and drugs and all that, it, it's somewhat of a glorification of a lot of this. I, I, I had heard scrutiny that, you know, this movie makes drugs look like too much fun or something like that. But when scenes like this come on, heavy real life scenes come on, you know, traumatic scenes like this, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is, it, it completely changes the narrative of what kind of story we're watching and the people that we're following. We, we aren't just going on this uh, uh, band of carefree living with these guys. There's actually repercussions and stakes to what's happening to 
the people that are around them and the people they're affecting, um, specifically sick boy's baby. Um, and it's, it's pretty upsetting to watch that scene and it's, uh, it's pretty powerful. I probably should have prefaced that in the spoiler free section to say, if you have anything, you know, regarding kids that, you know, you're a little highly sensitive towards, maybe you shouldn't watch this movie because if you, if you had any semblance of, I, I wouldn't even want to, I wouldn't even want to think about someone that's actually gone through this having watch having to watch this because watching this not having a kid versus watching it having a kid versus watching it having a kid in the in the child's passed on at a young age I couldn't imagine absolutely couldn't imagine um one of the worst things and horrifying things you know you have to you think about think about or that they bring to mind and uh, I think this scene is probably one of the big ones that come out when remembering this movie and the repercussions of, you know, train spotting, a.k.a. doing drugs. Um, the sad most the one of the most sad things that they do after that, that I think is very important, is that I think I, I want to say the mother's name was Allison. Allison decides or Renton decides that the best thing for her is to go get high. And so instead of taking care of all of that and they walk into the next room and they immediately go to go to get high. It's like, "Oh, did you not learn anything from this?" It's like the addiction is so strong that no matter what's going on in your life, that's that's the number one priority. And it's this movie really shows you know, the extreme effects of addiction. So, um, it, it was, it was very traumatizing, um, in real life when it came to that. Um, I think there was an, uh, I don't remember who goes to court, but there's something weird with the judge's hair. I, I'm trying to remember what was going on. I don't have the, the movie in front of me right now. Um, Okay, so we find out that I don't think Renton's parents are that great. I think they kind of leave him to fraught for himself. Um, yeah, I just I, I I mixed feelings on the way that Renton is raised and the way that his folks approach him and and. and help him and I was a little bit uh, weary about how old is this guy so he's old enough for it to be wrong to have sex with Kelly McDonald's character but he's not quite old enough to be like a grown man so I'm thinking somewhere between 18 and 25 um, let me see okay so I loved the effects of him falling into the carpet as he OD'd it's like the camera gets stuck in between the carpet where um, Renton feels that he is, and the carpet stays within the frame of the uh, of the film the entire time until he comes out of that OD'd state. And that entire cross-editing section is like, it makes you think that he's like, I think the drug dealer says something like, oh, we got to call a taxi. And so when you think that, he's like, oh, he's going to 
call an ambulance because it immediately cuts to an ambulance. And that ambulance goes right by the drug house and they literally did call a taxi that comes up not 10 seconds behind it. And the weird thing is it feels like this drug dealer has called this this taxi driver before with giving uh, Renton the money in, in the pocket and the way they put Renton in the back of the car and the way they deliver him. Uh, the taxi driver delivers, delivers him at the hospital um, and then he just takes the money straight from Renton really without seeing if he's okay or not. Um, I It just feels all too fluent like they've done this before. Um, but when he comes back to life or when he when he comes out of the OD state, the carpet comes. It moves away from the surface of uh, the screen. And I just I thought that was a really cool effect. Um, I think there's a couple scenes in Breaking Bad of people getting, um, you know, high on drugs, meth and heroin and whatever else. And a lot of those scenes do feel like they are based back in train spotting. Um, let's see. I noticed that his folks sort of baby him. I, I, I didn't really understand the age disparage. I, I, I was very confused. Was this guy supposed to be in college or high school or what's going on? And I can definitely tell his parents, you know, want him to get clean and maybe have possibly tried to get him get clean before. Um, but... It does feel like they just stick him in his old room with all the trains on the wall, by the way. Um, very cool. Um, I just... <laughs> I, I I wasn't quite sure what to think about his folks. Um, and then there's this whole scene, I think, in the middle. The you know, It's kind of like the choose life thing. Um, and what I, th- what I think is the dance music that starts to happen and while he's trying to uh recover from the heroin um just you know basically sweat it out is intense and it's this this craziness all the all the stuff is going up it's like ding 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 and he starts hearing spud uh when when sorry back 20, 30 minutes before in the movie, him and Spud had gotten in trouble for, I think, stealing some stuff um, and uh, running from, you know, cops and whatnot. They didn't really give a shit. They were doing all these hijinks and pranks. That's where the judge's hair was bad, I think. And that's what brought um, Ian McGregor back to his folks' place. And so, sorry, it's been a couple days since I've seen it and I've seen a bunch of movies since then, so I'm just kind of replaying in my head. Um, But... When the dance music is starting to happen, when Renton is starting to uh, to try to excrete all of the heroin from his body, it's just like this dance music, and it kind of fades into the uh, the clanging of Spud on top of his uh, wardrobe, and it's it's supposed to be this culmination of the drugs and the guilt. And the crawling baby on the ceiling and the head turning. I was like, what is going on? The, it, it made me think that the the marketing and the name and just all of this stuff for this movie feels completely wrong. Because I was like, this is what this movie is about. This movie is about, um, uh, you know, a very interesting concept of addiction. But 
combined it with amazing visuals and stellar acting and a hell of a director a director um and you've got a great cocktail right there um you know that's it's it's bound to be an interesting mix and given the fact that it's relatively an original idea or just based off a book and there aren't too many movies that i could compare this to maybe a it's like for me, it felt like a mix of a little bit of Clockwork Orange versus a mix of Fight Club, and it kind of combines a little bit of the two together. Um, but I really was was blown away by this sequence specifically, um, and then the, the craziness with the game show and uh, you know his his buddy on uh, Spud sitting on top of the wardrobe and the baby's heads going crazy. Um, it's, it's just intense. Um, and then I think the soundtrack throughout this entire, uh, movie is stellar. I just want to get the train spotting soundtrack one and two on vinyl. I think it's, it, it sound dope. Um, but yeah. So at the very end, we find out, uh, Renton He's just an absolute de degenerate. He ends up, you know, uh, going with Bagley and Spud and uh, Sick Boy, and they are all about to do this, you know, quick deal. And the deal is for twenty grand, and each one of them are going to get roughly four to five grand. And so they're going through this whole deal, and you know, uh, Mark uh, Mark Renton. You know, McGregor's character is, you know, thinking whether or not he should steal the money. And Spud is the one, you know, the one guy that was really great friends with him at, at the time. The, the entire movie, I will have to say, Robert Carlyle's character is an absolute crazy man. Uh, Bigby literally will pull a knife on anybody for anything. I've never seen somebody pull a knife so fast. If this guy was in America or in the States, he'd probably be shooting people. But this guy, I, I guess because he's in the in uh, Europe, I assume that knife is of his choice. But this guy is insane. And so watching him in this was just like, holy fuck. Um, this character. Um... Let me see. Uh, so yeah, Robert Carlyle, you don't want to get on his bad side. So Ewan McGregor stealing, deciding to steal the 20 grand minus the four grand he gave to the spud um, was probably not a great idea, but that also means he cannot go back to see this guy because this guy wants to take him out. So... Kevin McKidd plays Tommy, and this is one of the main characters sort of at the beginning that you see getting high. Um, we find out that he was first given heroin by Renton's character. Renton really did kind of, he didn't supply, but he did push a lot of them to do some of these drugs in a way. And they kind of blame him in a way for the things that have happened to him. Uh I think they said that Tommy had a heart attack, but he also was suffering from HIV AIDS. And so they are touching a little bit on, you know, the needle and drug epi epidemic and uh, STDs and stuff like that um, during the 90s to make it, I guess, a little bit more uh, relevant to the time. But I mean, 
regardless of you know the time if you're sharing needles you gotta you gotta worry about that shit and so um yeah at the very end renton walks out to the credits discussing you know what he just did leaving the money for spud obviously given that spud's a drug addict do you know we can probably guess what's going to happen um but sick boy is left high and dry tommy's passed away and uh begbie is losing his absolute shit at the very end of that movie um in the hotel just uh you know searching for everything but obviously he's just pissed and so for this movie to end on that bold of a statement i was just like holy shit like this is this is quite an ending for our main character the main drug addict is decide to fuck over all of his friends minus one and uh just bounce and so i thought it was a very bold ending and i, I actually did like the ending i was I was kind of surprised. I think I was more I was more geared to the second half of this movie than I was the first, mostly because I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. And having no knowledge of the the marketing and materials and what what the hell train spotting was, I just didn't know what to expect. So, as the movie formed into more of the the character study that it became of these guys and these degenerates, um I enjoyed the I, I enjoyed it a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. So, um, didn't get much from uh, James Cosmo, Mister Renton, and uh, Mrs. Renton. They uh, they're in a f- few select scenes with uh, Ian McGregor. Obviously, James Cosmo is from uh, Game of Thrones early seasons. Um, but yeah, I was uh, I, I was very impressed with. Uh, train spotting given the earliness of uh, Danny Boyle's career and of course the, these uh, fine actors and you know even Brimmer we've seen him in uh, most recently Wonder Woman we've seen Johnny Johnny Lee Miller and I haven't seen him in too much actually he's uh, more of a looks like elementary CBS uh, Dracula 2000 Mindhunters yeah I'm not too familiar with Johnny Lee Miller as much um and Kevin McKidd, I don't know if I know too much about him. He's Brave, Kingdom of Heaven, Dog Soldiers. Yeah, I'm not terribly sure about all these. Um, and Robert Carlyle, this guy's on another one. He's goes the full Monty. Uh, the world's not enough. Yeah, he's 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 been in uh, Once Upon a Time. Uh, yeah, he's been in some interesting stuff. But overall, Train Spotting, I absolutely would recommend this movie. Uh, it holds up in a way that I was not expecting. Um, T2, I will say, is a great follow-up to Train Spotting 1, with the exception of the bleakness. I, I want to say that Train Spotting 1 has a pacing and a, a slight overtone of just griminess to it that Train Spotting 2 doesn't have. Train Spotting 2 definitely feels like it's, you know, a more polished up Edinburgh. Things have changed. Things look a little bit better. It doesn't look quite look like um, you know, Detroit or something like that. Um but T2 is definitely a recommend if you were interested in Train Spotting. Um I'll try to do a quick follow-up review for T2 so y'all have reviews for both. 
Thank you for watching Look at Our Podcast. Check out everything you need to know in the show notes. I appreciate you listening to the Look at Our Podcast, watching, listening, supporting five stars. You know what to do. Keep us on iTunes. Um, keep us high up in the ratings. Email, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, YouTube, Discord. Comments, questions, concerns, everything you need to know is in the show notes. Thank you for listening to the Look at All Podcast. Check out Train Spotting 2 review coming down the tube very soon as well. Um, thank you for listening and take it easy. The dodgiest scam in a lifetime of dodgy scams. <laughs> Choose good health and a career. Choose your friends. Choose your future. Choose life. Yeah.